In this corner, we've got your kids. In the other corner, we've got your marriage. It's a cage match, Bobby. It's a cage match. I know who I'm putting my money on. Hulk Hogan. It depends on what we're talking about here, because <laughs> I would typically put it on the kids, but I don't know. In this case, I'm going to put it on the marriage. Right, right. If we were going for like an all-night energy kind of, <laughs> who's going to stay up the longest? I think that you still have to say hello, hello, because all I don't right. know if anybody knows <laughs> what's going on until you say that. So, I mean, we're going to keep this audio, but go ahead and say it, please. Hang on. Why don't we just start the intro music? All right, go for it. Well, hello, hello. This is Lance Osborne, and you are listening to Above Average, the podcast for big families. I'm hanging out with... Oh, uh, Bobby. What's <sighs> up, y'all? <laughs> What's going you know, on, I don't dude? Say, I don't say y'all much. I, I know. still don't. I, I have lived in the South uh, for... I can't do math... Uh, almost I guess 30 something years and 20 something years and I still just try not to say y'all you hail from St. Louis do they know, they just don't say y'all I mean Missouri's no. kind of southern ain't it wasn't it above the, wasn't ain't it, it a board listen ain't to it. You. ain't it here it is <laughs> no honestly I don't know state. if we're talking about seceding from the union we're not going to go there but ultimately I uh, they do not say that at all. And in fact, when we first moved from there to Georgia, which is where I grew up, and I would go back every so often, a few times a year, they would be like, "Your accent's changing! Oh my gosh!" And they have a they they kind of have a, this weird Midwestern accent. Weird, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> they have a Midwestern. Those accent. people. Ours are. <laughs> I, I'm sure everybody's accent is weird to everyone else's. You know, I, the uh, the South has not risen again, but y'all, I think y'all has. There's a magazine called Y'all. It's one of those things that I, I think, and you live in Nashville, I used to live there. A lot of people in Nashville still say Y'all, and we know that Nashville is full of transplants. I don't know if Atlanta is too cosmopolitan. I don't know if they say Y'all down there, but it's not just a Texas thing. I grew up saying it. My kids say it. I mean, it's just a part of who we are. I guess so, but you won't catch anybody up north saying that, or in the Midwest, uh, apparently. Yeah, I, I don't really say it on purpose. It just kind of stuck, so eh, there it is. Boom. Anyway, let's let's go back to the death match. Boom, boom, boom. We got to play Eye of the Tiger. Do, do, do. <laughs> so we're talking today about, like I said earlier, your kids versus your marriage. And no, we don't mean it's it's got to be one or the other. So I guess before we jump in, the reason that we're talking about this, obviously, it's relevant to big families. It's very important for what we've got going on. This episode in particular, it's more about marriage than family. It seems like in a lot of ways, Bobby, we're talking about the kids and how the kids affect what we're doing as parents. Maybe this one is the reverse of that, right? Yeah. What we're doing yeah, as parents, how it affects the kids? I think a little bit, but I think when we get to the end of it, when in context, it'll make sense as to why it is very, uh, I guess, relevant to big families. And it honestly kind of stems out of some of you and I's conversations as of late, and we'll get to that. Well, our people will understand that as we go on here. And uh, I guess another uh, note before we do jump in head first, I don't want to assume that everybody who's got a big family is married. We know there are plenty of people who have lost a spouse, whether to uh, death or divorce or 
Maybe they just adopted a bunch of kids. There's a great story here in Owensboro about a young single lady. She adopted five kids. And it's sure. really, really a neat story, the way that everything's being handled, the way the community has come around her and everything. So not everybody who's got a big family is married. But I know sure. statistically, especially with our listeners to above average, almost everybody's married. And I think yeah. we skew kind of female. There's still a lot of dudes who are listening. But it seems like whether it's the husband or the wife, most people here are married. So we're going to talk about this episode today from that angle. Uh, so it's not to the exclusion of anyone, um, and not intentionally anyway, but it's just kind of looking at our situation and Bobby's situation. We're married. This is the world that we're living in right now. And sometimes it does come down to your kids versus your marriage. Who's the priority in your family? Is it your kids or is it your marriage? And I, I would say right there, don't say both because that's the easy answer, right, Bobby? Yeah, and this is something that I did. It didn't come naturally to me. I kind of had to discover this a little bit. And granted, I had good mentors in my life, whether that be through church or just through folks that you know, meeting people. Uh, so it, it it came pretty early on in my marriage. The answer, but it wasn't like my natural answer. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Remind me again. How long were you guys married before Ava came along? I think it was uh, about the same as Sarah and I. Yeah, barely a year. Uh, actually, yeah, barely one year. Okay, so we were we were right there. We were married mm-hmm. for three months, got pregnant with Katie Beth, bam. In a way, having kids earlier really shaped our marriage. Now, Sarah and I had known each other for a long time before we actually got hitched, so we already had that foundation laid. But as far as knowing each other as a married couple, we didn't have a lot of time. So... Just from the spousal perspective, kids have always been a part of the mix for us. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that kind of shapes our conversation too, not necessarily in a positive way as far as where we're going with this, and that is to focus more on that marriage, to focus more on your spouse, not to the detriment of your kids. It's not about love, right? It's not about how much you love your kids versus how much you love your spouse, but it is about how you're showing this love. You know, if you're only showing your love to your kids all the time, whether you're the husband or the wife in the, in, in this situation, and you're not showing it enough and openly showing it enough and uh, showing it in front of the kids and your extended family and everything else. What does that say to everybody else about your priorities? Yeah, no, it, 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 like I said, it didn't come naturally to me. If you would have asked me before I got married, you know, who, who comes first? And I would, I probably would have said kids, no matter what the kids, the kids, you know, and we're both going to put everything into the kids, but you know, and here's the answer. I'm going to, I'm going to basically give it to everybody here, but it's more important to put, to make sure that you're always putting your spouse first in your marriage. And, you know, and obviously there's some, I guess, guidelines or some, context to that but that will ultimately be better for the entire family it'll be better for the kids in the long run uh, not even in the long run in the short run as well so yeah I'm excited to talk about this I think it's something that a lot of couples especially like you said when you first get married you and you maybe you have a kid right away kind of like kind of like we did I mean we had one uh, about 13 months into our marriage and um you know, we, we did get to know each other a lot in our dating kind of courtship. We knew each other for a long time beforehand. Uh, some people may not may not have had that. You know, I mean, everybody kind of makes their own way with that. So uh, that that probably helped us a bit uh, on the back end. Once we had a child, we, we didn't have to catch up as much with each other. But at the end of the day, I think once you're married and once you have kids and kids are coming 
you know, one, two, three, four, five for you, Lance, and some of our listeners have more. Um, you, it's really important to make sure that you know that your spouse comes first in all cases, and that will be the, uh, you know, that will lend to your entire family's health. Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about here. And we'll get a little bit more practical here in a second. From the practical standpoint, you know, this is not just the occasional date night. There's value in that. And again, we'll speak to it here in a second. Uh, but it goes a lot deeper. I really think if you open yourself up to the ideas here, it's really a paradigm shift in the way that you talk to, the way that you communicate with your spouse, and the way that you communicate that love that you and your spouse have to everybody else, right? It's not just, okay, well, now we do twice as many date nights as we did last year. Okay, cool. There's value in that, but it's, it goes a lot deeper. So let's sure. talk about some of these real world examples, Bobby. Why don't you go ahead and kick it off with the first one? Sure. Yeah. One, uh, one example of, I guess, of doing this wrong, if you will, would be canceling one-on-one plans because of your kid's social life. We know that as you uh, have growing families, the more and more kids that you have, the more and more, I guess, socially stretched you are because you're trying to deal with each of them, each of their own social life, whether that be uh, sports or extracurricular activities, whether it be at school or uh, anything, musical talents, things like that. You know, say you've planned something with your spouse and it's going to be a dinner date night or whatever, you know, it could be anything, but just some sort of one-on-one time that you're going to have with your wife or your husband and all of a sudden something comes up, your kid comes home and says, dad, mom, guess what? We're, there's a water balloon fight tomorrow at three o'clock. Bring your own water <laughs> missile gun launcher. That is the greatest example right and now. I, that is exactly what I needed to hear. I, yes, water balloon fights. I have to go and and we just have to. And you look at your you you look at your wife and you're like and you've got that puppy face like, Oh, we don't want to hurt the small child's feelings so we're gonna let him go with his water cannon to this thing that would be a bad example so or an example of doing this wrong do not cancel on that in that case sorry for the long explanation <laughs> no but the water balloon fight the the water gun fight that one was worth it hey how about another <laughs> example uh making go for it. making your kids favorite meals but never your wives or never your husband's I, I think that's something that we've run into around here a lot. And now a lot of this too will change. It will, uh, it, it, it will just flex a little bit based on the ages of your kids. Now, obviously when you've got a big family, chances are the age range is stretched a little bit more, but the phase that we're in, we've got five kids, eight and under. So we've got some picky eaters, not crazy picky or anything like that. But as Sarah and I are kind of mapping out our dinner plans for you know the next week, whenever we do it, we do keep in mind, okay, Luke, Luke really needs to eat. He, uh, he, he needs to back on the bounds. What are we going to do to put some fat on that boy? And we don't want to just continue making the stuff that we like and we get too fancy and, you know, whatever. We got to have some grilled cheese and soup in there. We got to have some peanut sure. butter and jelly nights. We could have breakfast for dinner every now and then. And it's not that we're catering to the kid over the spouse or anything like that, except when we always do that because it's not just Luke, it's Luke, then Tyler, then it's Luke, then Tyler, then Katie Beth, then you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What's the saying? The squeaky wheel gets the oil or something like that. We get the grease the, is the way I've heard it. Yeah. It's the grease. Yeah. Um, I think this is, I mean, this is a, a, a very simple example and we could probably come up with hundreds. We, we've got a few other ones um, and you can come up with your own, uh, you know, listener, you guys could come up with your own examples here, but um, 
when I when I say the squeaky wheel gets the gets the grease, it, a lot of times if you're on a unified front with your spouse and you want dinner to kind of go smoothly and easily, you're you might look at each other and be like, I don't mind if you don't make me X Y Z so we can have grilled cheese and tomato soup because our kids want it, you know. But you know, it's a great just the thought of the the idea of you know. Uh, what can I make for my spouse? You know, maybe the husband's the, the chef in the family or maybe the wife is, it doesn't matter, but just thinking of them first in general, right? Good point. Good point. So there's some other stuff here though. It's not just these simple things. When you do talk about the date nights, kind of bringing that back into play with a big family, the cost of childcare or sitters that goes up when you've got more kids, right? If you've got the 17 year old kid coming to watch your kids, we want to pay them a little bit more than if we just had, you know, a, a one-year-old running around it's more for that. So we want to honor that. And especially because we want that babysitter to take care of our kids as closely to the way that Sarah and I would, right? We want to make sure that we're, we're just respecting, Hey, we know that it takes a lot of time and energy and focus when you're over here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, but, uh, you know, full disclosure, if, uh, the house is not burnt down and all the kids are alive, our sitter did a good job. <laughs> yeah. And when you like them to come back, and also right, exactly. not burn down the house the next time. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm messing with you. Yeah. Yeah. But and, you know, the financial impact. So it's not just the squeaky wheel thing. It's also, okay, well, how does this affect us financially? Um, another example would be spending your Christmas budget, getting the kids exactly what they want, but not getting your husband what he wants or your wife, what she wants. And you don't always have to get them exactly that, but you know, don't neglect them completely. Anyway, so there are some examples of, of doing it wrong. What we're not talking about, we're not talking about things like taking care of a sick kid or, you know, spending time with the kids, you and the spouse together, you know, not, not when it's not at the expense of somebody or really big special events like a school dance or a big, big game or something like that. Sure. Of course. The reason it's a problem and there, I guess there are a few different reasons in here. You know, I would say that it hurts the spouse. Bobby, you and I are talking about short-term versus long-term. I think mm -hmm. the long-term thing is, you know, it, it's not going to make anybody cry when you do it tonight. So one of those things that we just talked about doing wrong, if you only do it once, whoop de do. nobody cares. Of course you're going to do grilled cheese and soup or whatever every now and then. Nobody wants to hear the kid whine. That's great. That's the unified front. But if you do that over and over and over, you're really saying, hey, I'm putting the kids before you. And how does that make you feel over the course of 10, 15, 20 years? Sure, sure. So it, I think it hurts the spouse, but not in a, oh no, she hurt my feelings, whiny kind of way. But you know, it's the long-term potential to wound somebody deeply. And it's not great personally to hurt your spouse. It's not great for the two of you to hurt your spouse. Or it's also not great for the kids to be doing that as well. Yeah, and some of these things I think are happening under the surface, subconsciously, if you will. Like you said, years and years of some of this stuff can can build up and, you know, um, God forbid, you know, that, that I ever experienced something like that. But, you know, I think these are things that, that we've either heard about, read about, even seen in our own lives, uh, with, with other families that we might know, you know, so uh, we're using some examples and we're expounding on those examples. It could be, it could be anything uh, in that regard, but, you know, I like what you said earlier, Lance, just in generally, um, you know, making sacrifices for your kids and not your spouse, you know, that can compound over years. I, I totally, totally with you on that. But you know who else it hurts, Bobby? It hurts the kids. Yeah. You know, I, I think we all know, we all know this when we hear it, but we don't often think it on the front end. Uh, you know, we allow, 
we allow the spats of marriage or the difficulty of raising children to come spats, get Spats, by the way. way. I have not heard spats. that word in a while. That's a good one. Is a that spat? like a shoe, too? Is that like a 1920s shoe? <laughs> I don't know. Are you thinking right, berries? We have to look that up. No, no, that's a current <laughs> shoe. That's a current shoe. Spats. No, it's not spats. It's something else. <laughs> look up this, the 19, like, 20s speakeasy age and they used to wear these like white and black like shiny shoes hey honey they're come not, over here and shine my spats <laughs> and they're not called spats <laughs> but we're gonna find out what they're called alright so anyway um, gosh that totally derailed me yes uh, I, was accomplished. Say, I was saying that uh, you know, marriage can be difficult and raising lots of kids can be very difficult. We, we, we know this. We talk about this all the time. Um, and so we forget that uh, kids really love to see us parents, you know, spouses, uh, see our love for each other. I mean, manifested both physically and just in the house and I don't know, whatever that, you know, however that needs to show, that's fine. A kiss on the cheek or whatever. But just us being together and having a unified front and not necessarily arguing with each other, all those things lend to their their security and their peace, right, um, as kids. And it's not something that they can express. They can't tell us that, but uh, I think we can all know that. And I, I say that that's beneath the surface because you don't really think about that when you're in the middle of disagreeing with your, with your wife or with your husband. You're like, oh, I don't care about anybody else. I have to prove my point. Um, but really, uh, you know, offering uh, kids love to see their parents love for each other. That's that's ultimately what I'm trying to say here. Sarah and um, I kissed in the kitchen earlier this week, and it it was ooh, more than a peck. I'm telling. It wasn't full on making out though, and Katie Beth saw us again. Katie Beth is eight, and I think for the first time, this is one of the first times that she's had like that kind of look of. I'm totally grossed out that my parents are kissing right now. And it was the big grin that was associated with it that made me think this is not bad for her to see at all. You know, it's not like Sarah (laughs) and I were crossing any lines there in the kitchen, but (laughs) it it did make me think, Ooh, this is good for her to see this. This is tapping into that security thing that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, Sometimes uh, with William, uh, you know, Catherine will be holding him. I'll come home from work and then, you know, I'll embrace Catherine, you know, welcome home from work, honey, all that stuff. Um, and then we'll like kiss on the lips, you know, and, and William will kind of be being held right there looking at us. He's our baby. And he'll kind of like, look at us like, Hmm, you know, with this like curiosity look. And then Catherine and I realize he's looking at us and we're like, Hey, let's, let's kiss again. And then we'll like keep kissing each other. Not like make out, nothing like that, but you know, like kiss after kiss. And then he starts to grab our cheeks and give us a kiss. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty fun, you know? So even, even he at, at 18 months old is like, Oh, okay. This, this is, you know, this is showing affection, right? So. Yeah. 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 Cool. Hey, what, what else were you going to say about the kids thing? I think you were going somewhere with that. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you mentioned short-term, long-term. I think in the long-term, even I, and, and I'm not going to get go too deep into this, but I do know of some couples um, that, you know, that have gone through difficult trials uh, once their kids kind of grew up and left the house. So, you know, maybe you've got some, or, you know, if, if there's kids that are, maybe your youngest kid's 15 and you've only got five or six more years and then they go off to college uh, or, or, or older, it doesn't matter, I guess the age, but, um, and they're left with just each other, you know, mom and dad are now, 
you know, Bill and Susie <laughs> or whoever. They're now wife and husband and no one's in the house. And so all their energy that was put into taking all their kids, to, you know, to all their you know practices and all their games, that last kid's left and finally he's off to college or she's off to college or somebody's gotten married and you're like, oh, hey, you know me? Do I know you? And you don't want that moment to happen. And I know some couples that kind of go through that and they're like, you know, who are you? I, I met you 25 years ago and um, mm. what do you like to do? You know, and so I think being intentional about these things while you're raising your kids is going to avoid that moment, right? And so I say that, they say all that to say they went through difficult trials once their kids kind of grew up and left the house and they didn't realize that they, if they really knew each other and that realized, you know, they realized that their marriage was kind of like, whoa, where, where is this? Uh, when really that should be the time when it's like, you know, it, it's almost culminated at that point. Like we've raised these children. We've, we've run the race. Now, granted, they're still your kids and they're going to be coming over for dinner or whatever, but um, yeah, but your your when, job of parenting is pretty much yeah, over. Yeah, essentially, that and yeah. and that's when you guys. That's really, I mean, to me at least, the way I view this is, I mean, those are my golden years. I can't wait for those that, that time. Um, you know, God willing, that, that it happens for Catherine and I. You know. Yeah, you know, most healthy families that I know, and I, I don't know anybody who would say otherwise, they're really, really good at putting family first. They say they put family first. They prior, prioritize their family over work. So they're really focused on that work-life balance and prioritize their family over the kids' activities, their family over personal hobbies, and their family, kind of their nuclear family, over, uh, I don't know, their extended family. But, and it's a pretty big but, I think a lot of these same families, um, not speaking personally, speaking generally here though, but I think a lot of those people are not putting their marriage before their children. You know, so it's family first, but it's not this marriage first thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think that it is pretty closely linked to exactly what you're saying. Longer term, you know, 20 years down the road, do you want to get to re-know your spouse or is it nice to know them and grow with them and make sure that you're doing that the entire time? Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Again, just things that I don't, I feel like you have to intentionally think about to, to kind of be able to combat, you know? Yeah, good call. Hey, you you used the term unified front earlier. I thought that was a good term. Let's talk about that a little bit too, and we're not going to talk about making out anymore because that's gross. But to, to, the, to the kids, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that unified front that I was that I was talking about to the sure. kids, you know, you really should be seen as one unit, and for you to be that one unit, for you to have that unified front to your kids, you've got to not only show them that, you know, in, in the flesh with, with the kissing or the handholding or whatever, but you've also got to go away. It's got to be like, okay, mom and dad are off doing their thing. And that may be a date night. It may be a, a, a weekend getaway every now and then. But if they're getting the idea that the kids, if they themselves are more important than the spouse, man, that can really run rampant, especially as you get into the teenage years, which I have no experience with yet, but I am preparing as much as I possibly can on really laying a good foundation with my kids now so that I prevent as much of the, the junk that has the potential to explode in my face later on. So all this stuff, let's get practical. I don't think any of this is easy. And I'm not no. saying Sarah and I do this right. And again, I'll say this 
every single episode if I have to. This is always a big deal for me to be able to talk about on this show issues that Sarah and I sometimes need to work on. Now, I will say, Sarah and I have had like four or five date nights in the past month, which it's just happened. There have been random dinners out and uh, offers of babysitting, and we've just really milked it. It's been phenomenal for us to be able to do this. The previous three, four, five months before that, man, we were were not doing well. We just didn't make it a priority. (laughs) So here we are. I'm kind of on the back end of that going, oh, yeah, I'm really seeing our communication improve. I'm really seeing... I don't know. I'm feeling short-term effects from it right now, but I want the long-term stuff to stick. And I know that it's hard. And Bobby, you were going to mention about each kid adding something to it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, this is where we really talk about big families. Um, You know, because essentially we said in the beginning of the show, this is almost a show about marriage as much as it is about big families. But with each kid comes less bandwidth, right, for each other. So we talked about one kid has so many activities, social activities, whatever, add two, add three, add four, add five. As they get older, I mean, like you mentioned, those teenage years, I can't even imagine um, what that's going to be like. And I, I know Kat and I have to have a unified front and a very strong bond to get through those years, just like you said, building that foundation. Um, but it's hard. I mean, that's what we're saying here. It, the more kids you have, uh, the more intentional you have to be. So I would say, you know, when you get some free time, uh, there's still stuff to do. Uh, well, I, I guess I was going to say that even it's hard because, let me say it that way, it's hard because even after you've gotten, say, the kids in bed or you've created this free time, which free time doesn't exist, you have to create it, right? Say you've created that, there is that pull that each of you have, husband and wife, to go do the thing that you've been wanting to do for however long that is. You know, if it's a dad finishing a project in the garage or a mom finishing the project in the garage, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I know for Catherine, she's always got some, she's very involved in the church and I love that. And she's got things to accomplish for that night and she has to have that time. But if you set aside time, then you've got to be intentional about being together on that. So even when there's free time, there's going to still be stuff to do. There's always going to be stuff to do. You've got to kind of say, no, not not now. That's not time for this stuff. Uh, it's time for me to be with my spouse. Yeah. So we've we've talked about the short term, the long term stuff, and also with that, you know, the the long term, there is no quick fix. But you do have to start thinking intentionally. Start thinking, okay, where do we want to go with this? So what can you do? Bobby and I came up with three things. Um, I'll do the first one. Uh, communicate with your spouse. Talk with your husband or talk with your wife. And say, is this something we need to work on? And I will say, be prepared for that spouse to be like, no, well, I think we're good. I think everything's fine. Because in the moment, it probably will feel okay. You know, if you guys are raising good kids that are well-behaved and y'all still have time for Netflix a few nights a week or you're doing the occasional date night or whatever, you might think that it's okay or that it's good enough. But I'll say in my case, again, kind of looking back on the past few months when Sarah and I did not make our date nights, just something simple, like going out to dinner and coming back home. When we didn't make those a priority, we were lacking in something that I didn't realize until we went on the string of dates. And so we need to, we need to have this a little bit more regularly. Sarah and I, we've always been pretty decent about like the weekend getaways and that kind of thing. So I feel like we're doing well overall, but we can always be doing better. And so I think the first step is communicating, just saying, Hey, how are we doing with this? And if you get a grunt from your husband, or if you get a, hang on, let's talk about that tomorrow from, from your wife, 
actually do go talk about it again. Bring it up mm-hmm. again until you feel like there's a resolution there and you're both speaking the same language. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'd say number two really here is just start simple. Uh, we've talked a lot about date nights. It's more. It's about more than date nights. But, man, start there. If you're not doing it, start there. And, and that's that's really something we learned early in marriage from folks that have been married before, you know, earlier than us. Uh, once a month, uh, you know, you've got to set time aside, uh, leave your kids with a sitter or whatever, and, and go out to dinner, you know, whatever it takes. And, uh, I know a lot of parents, uh, I, I know even personally, a lot of parents that, you know, it's hard to find a sitter. Uh, and I get that, you know, it, it and I, it, it all it all depends on who you are and your level of trust with someone else with your yeah. kids and how old your youngest kid you know some of, there's there is that baby boot camp time and and that's different time frame for everybody you know is it six months is it a year is it six weeks <laughs> before you would leave your your little baby with somebody and maybe if you're a nursing mom you know you got to take your baby with you we get that stuff you know kind of set that aside take the baby with you it doesn't matter um, but I guess my point is. If you don't have a sitter in your back pocket, go find one. Talk to some other families. Talk to some other parents, you know, around at church, uh, your friends. Find those those high school girls potentially or, or, you know, that are juniors and seniors that might also be in the youth group at your church. Whatever. I'm just throwing out examples of what's worked for us. Find the sitter because um, it's so important. Uh, you know, I can't really stress enough how important it is. Uh, you know, it, it, and I am talking about this date night. Do it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, do you agree? I do. But on the financial part, uh, two things. First of all, it doesn't have to be expensive. So, yeah. yeah, you might be paying the sitter 10, 12 bucks an hour, whatever your going rate is. But you don't have to then go do a $60 dinner on top of that. You can just run to Starbucks and hang out and grab a couple of $3 coffees and just sit there and gaze longingly into each other's eyes. You know, don't pull out the phones. Don't waste your time doing something like that. Like actually communicate, yeah. hang out with your spouse, talk to him. But you can do that and it costs you virtually nothing compared to the $60 dinner. You're spending six bucks on coffee and you're still getting in that quality time. Now, you yeah, don't want to do this every single day. Lover's Lookout, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's it called in Nashville? Nashville's got that awesome uh, Lover's Circle. Love Circle, yeah. You can Lo- love Circle, that's right. Yeah, love great circle. views of uh, downtown Nashville. Not right that on. you need to drive to, to Nashville from L.A. or wherever you might be listening from. I'm sure you're But come on, you can stay with us. Hey, do it. Uh, but <laughs> the, the second part on the financial stuff is even though it may be expensive for you, consider it an investment. It really, right. really is an investment. I think when you start thinking again, long-term, think long-term, think long-term, going, okay, well, I'm going to spend 40 bucks on babysitting tonight plus 30 bucks on dinner plus however much on gas, whatever. If you do that every now and then, though, it will have, you will see a return on your investment. Now it won't be a financial return necessarily, but I think in that communication and just a quality of life, you're going to see that stuff go up. So the first one, communicate with your spouse. The second one, start simple. Just do those simple date nights. The third, make a longer term plan. I think intentional and long-term have really been the key words this time around, Bobby, but make that plan. Go listen to our goal setting episode that we just did at the beginning of 2016. And go figure out where you want to be as a couple in six months and maybe start thinking longer term than that. You know, where do we want to be a year from now or five years from now? Or what does it look like when the kids are out of the house? That's really long term for a lot of us right there. Sure. How well do yeah. we know each other at that point? How well do we want to know each other? Because we don't want to just know each other as parents. We want to know each other as man and wife. Because you know what? Raising kids is temporary. 
even though you're in kid mode for 20 years or 30 years or however, however long it will be for your big old family, raising kids really is temporary. But yeah. marriage, you know, if you believe it the way that Bobby and I believe it, marriage is forever. Yeah. And, you know, this will be either simple yet profound or profound yet simple. But you got to remember, these kids exist because of your love for each other. You guys came first, right? You and your spouse came first. And they're here because of that. And they're, you know, products of your of your love for each other, you know. Um, so the foundation is what you had. You've got – and you've got to build on that foundation. You don't just – you know, well, we built the foundation and we never built any walls. We never built any whatever, you know, we didn't keep the structure going as these kids came into the mix. Right. So, um, I guess I I would close with that. Good call. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. That's about it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have enjoyed what you've heard, go check us out. We are at aboveaverageshow.com. You can listen to more episodes there. If you are already a, a listener, you're one of our, our bigger fans because we've got billions of those across across the city. I thought it was gajillions. Gajillions of fans. Um, it, but if you are a regular listener, please do share this with a friend. Uh, there are a lot of big families out there. So if you know somebody who has a big family already or they were raised in a big family or they might have a big family someday, they might enjoy this. So please do uh, help us spread the word and help get this out there to them. Again, aboveaverageshow.com. But that's about it for this one. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being Above Average. We'll see you all next time. Take it easy. Hey, Bobby. Guess what? What? Spats. Yeah? A shortening of spatter dashes or spatter guards are a type of classic footwear accessory for outdoor wear covering the instep and the ankle. Yeah, yeah. Spats. Word of the day. Ba-bam! For more words of the day, go to aboveaverageshow.com slash word of the day. I ain't no dummy. <laughs> Spats. Not Sperry's. <laughs>